Morning. It's such a blessing to be able to be here with you guys, church family and, and guests alike. Uh, if you're a guest and you're a believer in Christ, we are family, and that's, that's a glorious thing that you could be living halfway across the world from here and, and we still have that intimate fellowship in Christ. And as we sing praises and as we fellowship, that's just such a beauty. Um, I am super blessed to be able to be here this morning and to preach uh, to you guys and, and mostly to my soul. And uh, uh, it's such a wonderful privilege. And um, per Randy's request, uh, he has asked me to uh, preach on a hard doctrine. <laughs> that doctrine is called total depravity. And uh, we will go through the text that Ezekiel read, but uh, he wanted me to primarily focus on, on that specific teaching. And so if I had a disease and I didn't know I had a disease, I would want someone to tell me I had a disease so that I could be cured, right? So that I could find the antidote to cure my disease. Well, in a similar way, all of us, because of the fall, because of original sin, because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, have all been born in sin, and, and we have this disease, and it's been passed on through the generations, and here we are today, and uh, it's a very hard doctrine to accept because it's a doctrine where we in and of ourselves can't come to God because of our depravity. And it's hard, especially for us Americans, you know, we're, we're the type of people that want to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and, and just get it done. And, and this morning I, is my prayer that as we read the Word of God and as we get into the text, that this will become clear, that unless a sovereign work um, begins in our hearts, um, we, we will not uh, see God. And so... The main point of the sermon is this. Due to the fall of man in the garden, sin has corrupted our entire being, our hearts, our wills, our minds, emotions, desires, and everything else of who we are, so that we in our own strength cannot and will not come to Christ unless the miracle of new birth, other known as regeneration, happens. And so what do I mean by this term total depravity? Do I mean that we are totally depraved in the sense that this is the max sin that we can do? No, I don't mean that. Because even Hitler himself and all the evil that he committed, if it wasn't for God's hand on him, he would have done even more evil. And so, rather, when I, use, when I or others use the term total depravity, it's basically referring to the original sin in the garden, where the sin spread like gangrene through all of humanity and is very pervasive and affects our hearts, our emotions, our nature, our will, where we are cut off from God. And it affects everything. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, 
Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. R.C. Sproul said this, So the idea of total, in total depravity, doesn't mean that all human beings are as wicked as they can possibly be. It means that the fall was so serious that it affects the whole person. So what happened in the garden was so serious, it was an offense against an eternal holy God, it had a ripple effect through all of us until this day. And in the Bible, our hearts are likened to a well, a wellspring. And that well water has been contaminated by poison, a.k.a. sin, and spread, affecting everything. Spurgeon said this, As the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, the Pacific, all the major oceans, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is the very marrow of our bones. So, it's, it's our nature. And this is hard to hear because we want to be told we're a good person and, and um, we may do good things on the surface, but inwardly we are cut off from God. It's just like a lion. Picture a lion out in the, you know, his terrain. If he had to choose between a salad or lamb chops, that lion is going to instinctively go toward the lamb chops. And it's just like our, our sinful nature we are bent toward sin. And so, another quote from Spurgeon, Man cannot come to Christ because his nature is so corrupt that he has neither the will nor the power to come to Christ unless drawn by the Spirit. So, please allow me in these next few, few minutes to take you on this journey through the Bible as we see how the Bible speaks of this, that of, of unless a sovereign act of grace happens in our hearts, that we will not and cannot choose God. And so as, as Ezekiel read uh, this morning, um, as John the Baptist said, may I decrease and may he increase. And so there's a premise. Let, let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and just ask his blessing because apart from him, we can do nothing. Father, we need you we need you every hour. Father, we thank you for this time where we could gather together in Jesus' name and, and just declare that we can do nothing, that apart from Christ, we are without hope. But we thank you that you gave us your Son, your only Son, the eternal Son, for our sins. And we praise you for that, God. And so as we look in your word and really take a look Deep within, uh, Father, our hearts, apart from you, I pray that you would expose uh, the reality uh, of our wickedness and our desperate need for Christ. Uh, we thank you so much, and we praise you in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll repeat the main point again. So, due to the fall in the garden, sin has corrupted our entire being. Our hearts, our wills, minds, emotions— everything, so that we cannot and we will not come to Christ unless God does the work of regeneration.
So, five points. We're going to see depravity seen in John 3. Next slide. Uh, second point, we'll see depravity of man in the other parts of John. Because as we're going through the book of John, uh, we're just getting a little taste of, of what uh, Jesus is teaching in here. And so, after that, we're going to go back to the fall in Genesis and see the ripple effects of the of original sin. And then, after that, we're going to go little sprinkled verses all over the Bible. And so, uh, buckle up and... We'll, we'll get started here. Alright, so, John 3. So, I don't want to claim anything as my own teaching. I, right? We want to, the preacher's job is to preach the text and to preach what's there in the Bible. So, let's, let's get in the text. So, John 3, 1 through 8. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus is mocking Jesus. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel, I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wishes, just like these trade winds out here. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. You guys catching this? He's saying, Nicodemus, the, one of the head guys of the Jewish law, he's, he doesn't really understand this concept. And Jesus tells him plainly, Nicodemus, unless God has done a work in your heart, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom. He also says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. Alright, moving on to John 3, 19-21. And this is a judgment. The light has come into the world. Now check this out. People love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So remember, by nature, we don't choose the things of God. We hate the light. We're like cockroaches that squirm when you, you know, lift something that's dark and there's cockroaches. They, they hate the light, you know. We're, we're kind of like those cockroaches. And um, we don't want to be seen. But if we do good... Whoever does what is true, if we do true, comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that the works have been carried out in my flesh? No. 
that the works have been carried out in God. And so that, that's the key point. Uh, John 3.27. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Not even one thing can we receive unless God gives, the, gives us eyes to see. John 3.31-36 comes from our text this morning. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sits, or sorry, sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Praise God. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So Jesus came down to his own, yet his own did not know him. Why? Because of, the, because of original sin, because of the fall. We love darkness rather than light. No one received his testimony. So, as we're going through the book of John, that's, that's just John 3. Let's now take a little step back and take a look at the rest of John. So let's go back to chapter 1 in John 1, 9 through 13. Speaking of light and darkness, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Who's that? Jesus, right? He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. He made these people, and they didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Check this out. Who were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. This is such an amazing truth that once we come to grips with it, that once we know that we bring nothing to the table, it is such a reliever to know that it is all God. is an act of grace. And anything good we do comes from Him. And so, it's not that reading your Bible is wrong. It's not that praying or prayer is wrong. Those are all good things. Um, it's, it's not leaning wholly on those things, but leaning on Jesus. That's the reality. Because, let's face it, I mean, Satan himself, he, he was in the very presence of God, right, before the fall, and it was pride that drove him out. It was pride. He said, I can do this on my own. I can do this. I can be better than God. And, and so, even Satan himself knows more scripture than, than us, and yet, he's not, he's not saved. And so, really, what it comes down to is, is that work. John 2, 24 through 25, it says, but Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them. Why? Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. Check this out. For he himself knew what was in man. Amen. He knows our hearts. He, he knows that we cannot receive him unless he does the work. John 8, 31 through 47. This is, this is pretty intense here. 
he's, he's speaking to the Jews, and, you know, Jesus and the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees don't like him. He's, they're really jealous of him because he's preaching and teaching things that are contrary to what they're doing. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and truth will set you free. Amen. Amen. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, We will become free? They thought they were free. Jesus answered, Oh, they, they thought they were free because they were born of Abraham. Remember, not of blood. They, they, we have the bloodline of Abraham. He was the man of faith. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, well, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if, Abra sorry, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, this is not what Abraham did. You were doing the works your father did. They said to him, well, we were not born of sexual morality. We have one father, even God. See, they're mocking him because they thought Joseph and Mary, you know, had sex outside of marriage. Um, but it's not the case, right? Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came, not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Who? check this out. You are of your father, the devil. Ouch. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. I know it's a long passage there, but do you see that apart from God, we cannot see him? We're just like these Jews who rely on something else if we don't rest our faith and hope in Jesus. And so that's in John. So now let's take a step further back and go back to the fall. Let's go back to Genesis. So let's see the depravity in Genesis. Okay, so God created Adam and Eve. They had a, they had a son, two sons, right? Cain and Abel. Cain straight up murdered his brother Abel strictly because he was jealous. Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What? Continually. Always evil. See how pervasive sin is? It's just, it's every intention. Not just, 
oh yeah, most of, most of it is good and some of it's bad or even most bad, some good. It's, no, we are, we are cut off because of sin. That's how serious it is. Genesis 19.13, the angels are coming down to Sodom and Gomorrah. They're about to destroy the city of its wickedness. They say, for we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against this people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Genesis 20, uh, 1 through 6. So Ab- even Abraham, he is not perfect. He was even blaming his, or not blaming, he was calling his wife Sarah, his sister, and told the king that, uh, yeah, she's my sister. And so the king took her and wanted, you know, wanted to have uh, sex with her. And, and check this out. But God came to Abimelech, that's the king's name, Abimelech, in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man. Because of the woman you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. Basically, he didn't have sex with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she even said herself, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart. Check this out. And yet it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. So back to Hitler. It was God restraining Hitler from doing even more damage. It's God restraining us, the people out here. It's actually a miracle. Right, right now, complete anarchy is not happening. I mean, if you really understand the, the, the human nature and how sick in this disease called sin we are. It is a miracle that there's still laws out there, justice, there's police, there's enforcement still out there. Yeah, it, it's getting worse as we can see, you know, crimes getting let go, but it is I who kept you from sinning. And so we are so sin sick. And so that's Genesis. Genesis. So let's, let's take a step back and go, let's just get some all over the Bible. So I didn't know this until I just studied this. Uh, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, 1 through 3, say the same thing. It says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt, doing abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. See the redundancy? There's no one who, there's no one who does good. There's no one who does good, not even one. They have all fallen away. I hope you guys are catching on. And Isaiah 64, 67, prophet Isaiah we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name who rouses himself to take hold of you. 
So even the best deeds are flavored with sin. Building hospitals for the sick, feeding the homeless, uh, doing social work across seas. Those are good things, but because of our nature, they're polluted garments before the Lord, if not done in faith. So it's, those are good things to do as Christians. Uh, it's just we should not trust in them. Jeremiah 17, 9. This is, this is a uh, hard one to bear. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Amen. Beloved, this is our heart apart from Christ. We are deceitful. We think we're good, but we're not. It's desperately sick. And so when we preach the gospel to people, we're preaching to dead men, asking God to do a miracle of the new birth, to bring them to life. So our heart is desperately sick. We, I forget the text, we drink down iniquity like water. Just like a fish that's in water doesn't know it's wet, so do we, in our, apart from Christ doing a work of new regeneration, are like that fish, just in sin. We don't, even, we don't even realize it. We're just completely submersed in it. And hopefully that analogy kind of helps. Um, all right, a few more. Psalm 58, 3 through 5. The wicked are estranged from the womb. From the womb, they go astray from birth speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ears so that it does not hear the voice of charmers or the, uh, of the charmers or of the cunning enchanter. So even from birth, even babies, they're not exempt. <laughs> they're still part of the fall. And our hearts are so hard. It says, like the deaf adder that stops its ear so it does not hear the voice of charmers. We don't want to he hear the truth. We don't want to believe it. We don't want to receive it. Romans 8, 7 through 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Hatred. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Two more. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 2, 14. The natural person, who's that? The person doesn't, that hasn't been regenerated. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They just can't. I said they cannot and they will not. They cannot, I'm sorry, they will not because they, they, don't, they don't know. We're spiritually discerned. Uh, and then I said they cannot because Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. We followed the course of this world, followed the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, right, Satan, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the mind, the body, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Whew, thank you for enduring all that. Uh, 
It's, that's horrible news, right? But like I said to begin with, we need to know the reality. We can't deceive ourselves into thinking that we have some good within us and relying on that instead of the finished and final work of Christ. Because that's heresy. If we add anything to the finished work of Christ, it pollutes the gospel. It's as if you can bring something to God and pay for your sin. It's hard to receive, but it's also a, a great reality that you could just let go. It's all God. And so this is amazing. Um, it, it's hard. It's hard to receive this, that we are dead, we're wicked, we're this or that. But that's all apart from Christ. Praise God, he's given us hope that today, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. No longer slaves to sin, to walk in the ways of this world, but to be free in the full sense of it. But some of us, I said this once, some of us say, well, what about free will? Don't we have free will? Yes, you do. But check this out. You're only free to do what your nature wants to do. And if by nature we are children of wrath, we hate God, we love the darkness rather than the light, by nature we're going to be free to do sin. And so, like I was talking about the fish, like a fish can't himself, or I should say itself, like a fish itself uh, can't will and muster up the strength to breathe fresh air like us human beings instead of water without God changing the molecular structure of that fish, it is similarly impossible for a man to will himself into salvation unless God changes the heart from within. Amen. 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 Uh, consequently, Spurgeon, he, 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 he also resisted this notion of human free will. And uh, he says this, that it elevates, that that elevates man above God, that the free will doctrine, what does it? It magnifies man into God. It declares God's purpose a nullity, since they cannot be carried out unless men are willing so unless I'm ready to receive, then God can do his work. No. If God requires of the sinner, oh, sorry, it makes God's will a waiting servant to the will of man. If God requires of the sinner dead in sin that he should take the first step, then he requires just that which renders salvation as impossible under the gospel as it was under the law. Since man is as unable to obey or believe as he is to obey. So, simply put, Spurgeon believed that no human will is entirely free, but only free to sin, because that's our nature, just like the fish, right, uh, in water. Um, so you're going to either be a slave to sin or a slave to God, right? You can't serve two masters. All right, my last point, the hope of the gospel. So, like I said earlier, before we get to the good news, we have to go, we have to look at the bad news. Before the doctor can give me a diagnosis of my problem, my cancer, whatever disease I have, 
we have to know what disease we have, right? So this disease of sin has infected all of us, like gangrene. But what's the, what's the remedy? What's the remedy? Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's hard to hear that apart from God doing a work, we are without hope. Uh, and so it's hard to believe that. That means we are utterly desperate, dependent upon him. Um, because of our sin, our need for grace is so radical. It took the death of the infinite, eternal Son of the living God to, to redeem this, to redeem you. That's how bad we are. It's not just like, oh, we'll raise up one of you to take on the sins. No, it took the Son of God. That's how bad we are. So, the saving message of grace starts with going back to, to really what's in here, our total depravity. Um, but this is the preciousness of grace. How precious is it? How beautiful is it? When we hear and are convicted of our sin, that's the Spirit's work in us. That is evidence you could take that to the bank, that that is evidence that you yourself did not muster that remorse for your sin, that that is an act of the Spirit, and that the Spirit's working in your heart. And how precious is that, that he gives you eyes of faith to see. So the good news is that we didn't add one thing to the finished work of Christ on the cross. Amen? We didn't add one thing and so, praise God, it's not like this dodgeball tournament where God's just, oh, oh you're, you're doing good, I'll pick you. Oh, you're six foot six, I'll pick you. You're strong, I'll pick you. No, he's not doing that. He, it's all grace. He doesn't pick on our abilities. Like, oh, I think he'll choose me, so I'm going to choose him. Isn't that awesome that we don't have to prove ourselves to God to do all these good things, to muster up? Like I said earlier, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And so, um, the disciples were talking to Jesus and, uh, about salvation. And Mark 10, 25 to 27, uh, Jesus says to them, It is easier for a camel, you know, a big camel. We don't have those here in Hawaii, but they're like a horse. A camel to go through the eye of a needle, a sewing needle, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Disciples were exceedingly astonished. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, probably with a grin on his face, with man it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? He could take a wretch like me and set me free. He could take all my sin and throw it on his son and call me free. All things are possible. So I know many of us come here this morning with lots of hurts, lots of pains, a hard week, hard jobs, uh, whatever situation you may face. And... We desperately need 
good news. And this is the good news, that though whatever happens in our lives, that through the work of God done in our hearts, that we can trust fully in him and that he will save. He will save. And I just want to encourage you that, uh, this is another quote, nothing will last to eternity but that which came from eternity. So if the work of God wasn't done in our hearts, all our efforts are in vain. Only that which is done uh, or came from eternity will last into eternity. And so I pray that you're encouraged by these last two scriptures. Isaiah 53, 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Each of us has turned to our sin because of our nature. But what does it say? But the Lord, this is the good news, the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So take heart this week. Take heart that Jesus took your sin. He took your place. That you don't have to face the wrath of God. But he took it for you. And uh, closing with uh, John 3.35-36 from our text this morning. This is good. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So dear Christian, if you are putting your trust in Jesus, that is an act of grace that God has worked in your heart. So if you're ever doubting yourself, look at the work that God has done in your heart. If you are convicted of sin, if you have a soft heart, that is God. That is contrary to our nature. And so you have eternal life through the Son. But dear unbeliever, any unbeliever in this room, please hear these words that if you do not believe in the Son, you will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on you. Oh, I pray that you would cry out to God, even in this moment, that you would cry out to God more than a deer pants for water, more, more than anything. Your soul was made for God, and there's any inkling of of that that's a work of grace and so is my prayer that God would um, do a work uh, continue the work in us and if he hasn't already do a work in your heart and um, amen let's pray (laughs) Father it's so hard to hear that we are so weak and hate you by nature. And, but Father, we thank you that with man, that though with man it is impossible, with God all things are possible. And I pray that right now that you would do a work in those hearts that haven't believed in Jesus, that you would by your supernatural, miraculous, sovereign work, 
do a mighty act in their heart. And oh God, would you continue to raise up more men and women who believe in Jesus. Thank you so much for your word. And I pray that all of us would lean wholly on Jesus, not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge Christ as he will make our path straight. And so as we go out this week, may we live uh, in the finished work of Christ on the cross for our sins. We thank you for your word. And may we not just be hearers of your word, but doers who act. We thank you for your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.